Life may not be treating you the best, but that doesn't give you an excuse to give up. Hello, and welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, founder and podcast producer at Max Podcasting. And you can email me at max at maxpodcasting.com to save time with your high-quality podcast. This is episode 260. I don't know why I said it in a voice like that, but 260. And today's guest is Mikhail Nakwi. Mikhail, a.k.a. Mickey, is the co-founder and inventor of Ornament Anchor. What started as a school project has now turned into a multi-million dollar business, has resulted in two appearances on Shark Tank, and is the latest in the line of really cool entrepreneurship stories from the really cool and really entrepreneurial Nakwi family. In this episode, we talk how Ornament Anchor has seen such crazy success, how Mikhail balances work and school, he is a teenager, and everything else in his life, and some of the business principles that he learned from an early age that have been foundational to their success. It is Mikhail. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Mikhail Nakwi, <laughs> awesome dude, uh, one of the amazing minds behind Ornament Anchor and uh, multiple businesses at at your very old age, Mikhail. But I'm sure you hear that all the time. But re- really excited to speak about your entrepreneurship journey and everything in that realm. Mikhail, how you doing? Thanks for joining today. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm really, really excited to be here. Uh, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm really, really, really excited to be here as well, even if I can't pronounce it correctly. But uh, <laughs> we're we're going to dive into the Ornament Anchor story and beyond. But I, I would love to start off with, you have some crazy entrepreneurial spirit in your family. Like it is like, your family just screams entrepreneurship <laughs> and I love it. It's awesome. Like there's such a great energy there. Thank you. Where do you think that entrepreneurial spirit comes from in the first place? I would say that the entrepreneurial spirit comes from a few generations ago, right? My great-great-grandfather, uh, he started a, vis- a business initially in 1919, uh, which was a furniture business. And it's honestly been throughout the family. It was passed down uh, all the way to my mom, who is an entrepreneur and who had her fair share of businesses, all the way down to me and my brother. So I think it's always been something in our blood, something in our family. And uh, I'd say that's the main reason why I'm here today. 1919. Uh, so that was a couple of years before your time. Yeah, I, I I believe I believe so. I believe so. I don't, I don't know for <laughs> sure. Furniture biz. What kind of a furniture biz? Like like they sold furniture. Yeah, they sold furniture. Uh, I remember that he. Well, I don't remember. Obviously, I wasn't alive. But uh, he, he they would you know create their own furniture and, and it was also a moving and storage company as well, uh, and it was pretty prominent here in Connecticut. That's so cool. So you grew up with those roots. Like, can you think back to? At an early age, is, it, is there a memory you have of like the first time you heard about entrepreneurship or got excited about it? I can't point out a specific time, but I just know I was always around it, right? My mom had owned a business uh, for 12 years on Etsy, and I always remember coming to the office, you know, uh, having fun, messing around, and then helping during the busy seasons of her business, you know, helping with whatever I can, whether it could be just the little chores and stuff, I would always help. 
And I remember that as I would grow older, I would have a bigger and bigger role in her businesses. I would start to learn about, you know, how backend things work and what, what a business really is. So, you know, I've always just grown up around it and it's always been, you know, a very, very interesting thing for me. And what is it? What, what kind of stuff has your mom done on Etsy? Uh, she made uh, lots of like event-based uh, art. So she is a graphic designer. We had 30 plus employees in, in graphic design uh, where they would make like maps and tapestries for weddings and all sorts of really interesting uh, items. So not just entrepreneurial, but extremely creative background as yeah. well. How about your dad? Does he have entrepreneurship side of him? Besides helping out with your businesses, does he have that uh, I like to think my of my mom and my dad as like a yin and yang, right? My mom's that super creative genius, graphic designer, right? Very creative person. My dad's more of a math guy, right? He graduated with a degree in finance. He worked in hedge funds for a really long time until eventually he quit his job to help my mom with her businesses as they were, you know, growing to be a lot stronger. So they're very, you know, good together. They work really well together. He's more of a math mind. He, he works on ad sets and works on like finances and stuff. So, uh, yeah. So what's the most complicated math formula that he's taught you? I, I want a full <laughs> exhibition well, right now. I'm just <laughs> Let's get to ornament anchor. So, Ornament Anchor, awesome business. I think just hearing the name, you kind of get a sense of what it might be, uh, which is a really cool name in itself. But where did the idea for Ornament Anchor come from in the first place? Right. So when my brother was back in fourth grade, he had a school project for Invention Convention where he had to come up with an invention. And he was. we were sitting around our Christmas tree trying to think of something when our dog knocked an ornament off of our tree with one of her tails. One of her tails. Yes. One of her tails. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sparked an idea. Like what if we created a way to keep your ornaments from falling off your Christmas tree? So you wouldn't need hooks. You wouldn't need ribbons. It was just a simple way to keep your ornaments safe on your Christmas tree. And that's exactly what he invented. He invented ornament anchor, which is like a little string with a toggle so you can zip your ornament to your branch. And when he went to the school fair, everybody loved it. It was an instantly a success. Everyone was swarming his booth. And then by that time, Ion knew that he wanted to create a business. And then fast forward two years, I'm in seventh grade and I'm doing a homeschool year. And I want to learn more about entrepreneurship, right? I've been with my family. I, I've been in entrepreneurship, but now I want to take that first step, that leap and start my own business. So I go to my brother and I say, hey, remember that genius idea that you had back in fourth grade? Let's turn it into a business. So that was the birth of Ornament and that was how it all got started. Was there any convincing that needed to be involved to, uh, to actually no, I on, move I forward with that? No, I was actually super excited to to start with me because, you know, we, we're, we're brothers. We didn't choose to be brothers, but we chose to be best friends. You know, that's what I always say. So the two of us, we were super, super, super excited to work together. Oh, that's awesome. It's not the worst business partner in the world. <laughs> what were the early steps in turning it into an actual business? Picture it. It was September. We had just come up with an idea and we did something called a SWOT analysis. I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, if you know about business, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I still remember that day like it was yesterday. We started it. We emailed a bunch of lawyers, tried to get a patent for free, but you know, lawyers don't like kids. So <laughs> we, we, we didn't end up getting a free one. Our parents loaned us about $5,000 that first year to get the business on the ground. No, not five. I, I lied. I lied. It was like $2,000 or something because we made about $5,000 that year. 
we come together, we get patent pending. And that I, I still remember my brother and I looking over that patent search together. We spent like three hours locked in a room, just looking over the patent search together. And we went to local Christmas and craft fairs around our area, set up booths and decided to go up to people and sell the product. Right. And the reason we did this, the reason we didn't focus on any online strategy, right? This is pre COVID. This is December of 2019. So right before COVID began, we wanted to know in person, in real time, what do people think about our product? What are variations of products that we can make that could maybe supplement this one? You know, what are our best selling points of our product? Who is our main target demographic? Who's really going to buy this product? So we set out and in addition to like selling product, we also were gathering data on our consumers at the same exact time, right? We, we gather data on price points, customers, demographics, and all sorts of other things. And that was a really, really successful year for my brother and I. Within three weeks, we paid our parents back in full with all the money that they lent us. You know, we took home a little bit too. Then finally, like last but not least of that year, we decided we wanted to take 10% of all the money that we had made, all of our profit, and donate it to animal shelters uh, in need. That's amazing. But I, I got to go back at the start to a quote that you had at the start of that, which is, I guess lawyers don't like kids. That's a phenomenal <laughs> quote. I've never, I've never, I've never heard that before. <laughs> but, but I think that's an awesome way to go about it. Yeah, like anybody that's taken any sort of business class, whether that's high school, college, whatever, like you hear about SWOT analysis. Yeah, I think it's one one thing to hear about it, but to actually put it into action and lay things out that way and in way, wow, this is like this is this is a positives, this is the negatives, this is where we can focus on, I think is an awesome way to do it and really get yourself grounded. And you wanted to get feedback right away. So like what what was the early feedback from consumers? Well, our early feedback was, you know, just simple simple little things about like this color looks a little bit strange or right the string is too short we want you to lengthen the string the string is too thick we want you to make it skinny so it fits through our ornaments and stuff like that but overall 99% of everyone loved it and they loved me and I on you know selling we really that year we were just sort of discovering and the big thing the big takeaway more than changes to the product those were minor those were tiny development you know things you know every business goes through a process of development and that's all that was the biggest thing for us was finding our demographic right because me and I on we initially thought you know who's going to buy it it'll sell to everybody no matter what right everyone's going to love it but there's really very very few products in the world that can appeal to everybody and if you have a product that's going to appeal to everybody you're not going to be as successful with it because it's much easier to create a successful product when you're in a specific niche. So what my brother and I found that 90% of the people that bought our product were women. 90% of those women were women over 40, over the age of 45. So that instantly said to me and my brother, right? You know, when we go next year and we start an online strategy, Facebook ads, why? Because there's generally an older demographic on Facebook. So I feel like you know, that was one of the major things that when you can find a niche and you can find a specific demographic, you can cater your business and everything that those people might need right to them. It's really smart. It's not always the easiest thing to drill down and find their your, your target consumer. So it's great you did that so, so early on there. And you mentioned the, I don't know if you call it the charity or giving back aspect of it, but 10, 10% of what you make goes back to for the, for the well-being of pets and animals. Where, where did that come from? How did you decide to add that aspect to your, your business? 
our parents always, always raised us and taught us with the fact that no matter what we do, we should give back no matter what, right? My brother and I are Muslim. We have to do zakat, which is literally donating about 10% of all of you know your wealth and all the money that you make, right? So we knew that that was something that we were going to do even before we made a single sale. It was in our hearts. My brother has always grown up loving animals, loving creatures, loving dogs, especially. So his passion for animals was what drove us to donate. And the place that we specifically donate to is North Shore Animal League America, which is the largest no-kill animal shelter in the world. You know, it was Ion's passion. Ion had a passion for animals. So we thought that it was, you know, the perfect thing that would uh, work for our business, especially since Ornament Anchor saves pets' lives as well. Because, uh, you know, we get a lot of veterinarians say, you know, dogs, cats especially, will swallow hooks and they can get stuck in their throats. But Ornament Anchor keeps them completely safe with that. It's such a, a good cause of, to put money behind. And the fact that you're, as you're growing your business, you're growing, you know, how much you're donating and how much you're giving back. Um, I, it's got to, it's got to make you feel good for, for what you're doing as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels, it feels amazing, honestly, to give back and you, you should give back, you know, as much as so that it doesn't hurt your bottom line, but enough to actually make a difference. How about on the distribution side? So I know at the time of this recording, like You've had some amazing news getting into hundreds of locations of Lowe's, which like, I mean, talk about like an iconic retailer in the space. Not that's, only that's, getting that's, in, that's but awesome. completely selling out as well. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the key there. That could, There's a big difference there. But so, so you've got Lowe's. Before even getting to Lowe's, like what, what was your approach to getting distribution or like finding customers in, in, in the early days? So a lot of it is just straight up cold emails, LinkedIn, right? Just trying to find, you know, probably more than anything that you can learn ever in your entire life, the more important thing than all of that is networking. Because no matter what you do, there's going to be someone that can do it better, always. And you can never go into life expecting that you can be the best at something because there's always someone that can do it better, more efficiently, faster, whatever. So you know, we had built up, my dad especially had built up a pretty strong network where we would reach out to lots of people and we would say, Hey, do you have a retailer from this or this or this? And one thing that especially boosts us, which I know we're going to get to a little bit later in the episode, but I want to bring it up is shark tank, right? When you uh, get in a shark tank, you, you, you know, you start to meet a lot of the other people who are on shark tank who have lots of other connections as well. So what we did was it was a lot of cold emailing. It was a lot of going on LinkedIn and finding and then it was a lot of just from our network, you know, finding people. It's, it's one thing to find someone, but it's another thing to convince them, right? So what my brother and I used to do, we used to request Zoom calls, right? And we started getting them in the middle of COVID. That's when we started our hunt for retailers. My dad would usually handle the back and forth between the two of them, working on the specifics and the numbers, right, specifically. But when it came to closing the deals, it was me and my brother on a Zoom call, uh, I still remember this is a really crazy one. My brother and I were pitching to Target and we had our 10 minutes and we were pitching like crazy. We were reading so fast. We were like somebody who was, you know, moderating the auction. That's how fast we were talking. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Can you do an impression of that? Can you still talk that fast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think so anymore. Pro- probably I just remember, not on request. <laughs> yeah, probably not on request. But I just remember being so very passionate about that. 10 minutes was up, right? Because they give you a limit. You have to, you can only do 10 minutes. 10 minutes is up and I'm feeling the pressure and the tenseness in that Zoom call, right? You're not in an actual room, but you can still feel the tenseness. And she says, you know, 
you know what, boys, it, it, it's been really good. And, you know, it was nice to meet you, but I just don't think this is going to work out. We're at capacity because of COVID, whatever. That did not stop us. Me and Ayan continued selling for another, I want to say, 10 more minutes. We kept them on that phone call, no matter what we could do. And finally, at the end of it, I don't know if it was our genius salesman or she just wanted to leave the phone call, but we ended up getting a PO for Target Online, which was crazy. But, you know, you'll never... You'll never know until you don't keep trying, right? You can't take no as an answer sometimes. And that was definitely a a strong example of that. You you can feel the heat from that Zoom call. And that's an intense moment in itself. Well, we'll we'll use that to to segue into the Sharks. So Shark Tank, you're one of very few people in the world to be on multiple times. So so you've been Shark Tank twice. Uh, For for anybody who's not familiar with Shark Tank, can you explain what? No, I'm just kidding. Everybody knows what Shark Tank is. (laughs) Uh, Can you? You're you're like who? Who the heck is this guy? Um, But what what do you what do you take away from your experiences on Shark Tank? Like what sticks with you the most looking back on it? The most important lesson I think anyone can learn in life is what I took away from Shark Tank. Right? You go into the tank, and I know most people go in scared, but I didn't go in scared. That wasn't my mentality when I went in. My mentality was I'm getting a deal and I'm not walking out if I don't get a deal. Like I'm staying in there and I'm not, well, I'm not leaving until I get a deal. But unfortunately, that's not how things go. And things in life are never going to go exactly as you planned. And you have to be prepared for that. I've been on the show twice in season 10 and in season 13, and I have not gotten a deal either time which is devastating, right? It's hard to even go back to school knowing that you failed two times, right? But the most important thing that I learned, and this might sound cliche, but it's true, it's perseverance, right? You have to be able to go do a challenge that you think is difficult, that's out of your comfort zone maybe, that's you know something monumental, and be able to fail and keep going. Because that's the strongest trait that a person can have is to know that things might not be going your way. Life may not be treating you the best, but that doesn't give you an excuse to give up, right? You have to persevere. You have to continue. If you want something in your life and if you want to work, if you want to have something, if you have a goal, you have to work for it and you have to be able to push through even when things seem completely helpless. I remember after Shark Tank, when you do or don't get a deal, you actually have to go to a therapist. You, they, they have like an onset I've, therapist. I've heard that about that. Do. So that's a, so they like, whether you want to or not, they like make sure that you, you do that, right? Yeah, because it's a it's a crazy experience for someone, you know, to go in 45 minutes to maybe decide the fate of your business. It's pretty intense, right? And that intensity of Shark Tank is completely real, right? A lot of it is completely real. Uh, there might be some, you know, smart editing tricks here and there, but a lot of it is authentic. You're in the tank for about 45 minutes to an hour of just pure raw business talking. And when you leave that tank, you can be devastated. And it hurts a lot. And I'm not saying that, you know, that failure isn't going to hurt because it is. But that's the great part is that it hurts so much, but you're still able to overcome it. So, yeah. So my major takeaway from Shark Tank was you have to keep going. If you believe an idea and everyone tells you no, it doesn't give you a reason to stop because, you know, the Sharks didn't give us a deal. But if they would have, they would have three X their money already, which is, you know, truly incredible. (laughs) <laughs> they missed out. They missed out big time. What were your friends at school's reaction to once it aired? So, so I know that there's, you know, there's the down part of like facing your friends knowing that you didn't get the deal. But I mean, you you were like big man on campus. Like you're you're on TV. You're on Shark Tank. Like what? How do your friends uh, react to that? 
funny thing you might think that's what it would be like but it's not it's actually completely opposite of what most people think it is it's not like you go on shark tank national tv and instantly you're the most popular person at school that doesn't happen i'm not even close to the most popular person at school i in fact i'm actually a pretty quiet person i have a pretty small friend group uh in terms of school a lot of my close friends took it really well they were very nice very supportive they were a lot of them thought that it was super cool. They've never met a you know, person that's been on Shark Tank before. And then a lot of other people, it sort of isolates you and creates a persona of this person. And this is, okay, by the way, this is, I've never told anyone this before in my life. I haven't even told my parents this. So you're lucky to hear this, but. Appreciate it. We'll, we'll, we'll tell them right after. No. <laughs> yeah, right. I might, I might have to, but it creates a sort of, this person is not an authentic person. This person is very salesy and it's weird to talk to this person because of said experience. It's kind of strange. I will say it, it was strange going back to school. It wasn't like a big, like everyone throws you a party. Oh my God, you were on Shark Tank. That's nothing like it. You know, it's, it's not a high school show. It's just high school. So yeah, it's different than what most people would expect. I think that's a pretty interesting insight. Yeah, that's really, I appreciate you sharing it. Uh, your parents are going to be really upset with me for, for, <laughs> for hearing that before they did, but it will, we'll be okay. <laughs> what did it do for your business though? Just just appearing on the show. Shark Tank's numbers at the time, obviously by the time season 13 comes around, they've been declining for a little while, like just in terms of ratings. So it was a big night for us, but it wasn't the biggest night for us. We've had nights that have actually been bigger due to other sorts of press. For example, uh, in 2020, uh, I believe we were on the front page of CNN, which actually, I believe, I don't know for sure, but I think usurped the title from Shark Tank in terms of biggest sales nights. And of course, Black Friday, among other things. Yes. So the big thing for Shark Tank, more than the exposure from the episode was, like I said before, networking. And I'm really going to hit this hard because I believe that it is the most useful skill to have in your arsenal if you are going to be an entrepreneur if you are an entrepreneur it is very useful the sheer amount of people that we met from shark tank right so many different connections that we make that's what made the difference more than anything i mean i can tell you our business has has improved tenfold just from the people that we have met and from the knowledge we have learned and from the help that we've gotten and all sorts of things like that for example uh one thing this past october uh, my parents actually hosted the biggest Shark Tank reunion ever, where like, I want to say about 150 Shark Tank members all came together, conglomerated for a massive two-day event where lots of networking happened. We had you know, sessions of you know, panelists and all sorts of things from Shark Tank. And it's Shark Tank exclusive, so nobody else can get in. Just Shark Tank members, the only ones that can get in. I feel like I'm uh, up to wrong just hearing about it. Like, this, this is exclusive stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not very... I don't know how much I can even say about it, but it, it's it was it's a really cool event that we held, and I know that's as much as I can tell you. But the the sheer amount of knowledge that my parents came back with, like they were the ones who were hosting it, they were running around doing everything to try and make sure it was the perfect event, and even they learned tons and tons of knowledge. And the amount of like knowledge gained just from that exchange of brains and exchange of thoughts between those people is what was really valuable. So if you're an entrepreneur, the key to creating something successful is making sure that you're making connections with like-minded people with other businesses too. Yeah, I know it's a phenomenal a phenomenal network of 
Shark Tank alums and yeah, I'm I'm with I'm with you on your point of networking. Like networking can literally build businesses, and you never know what the connections you have can turn into. And I just know from past guests on the show and people that have been referred and like people I've worked with that that Shark Tank alum group and the camaraderie mm-hmm. there and the helpfulness there is I think it's like one of the most helpful groups yeah. of people in the world. It is so it is probably good company the there. biggest tool for a business. So I would say more than any takeaways, that's the big one. That's the big take or the big like thing that our business uh, that affected our business. The big thing you should be considering adding to your inbox is the podcasting to the max newsletter. But that was just for the purposes of the segue. It's not even big. It's actually quite short and sweet. It includes an awful pun, a podcasting tip and entrepreneurship lessons from Wild Business Growth Podcast guests. It comes to you every Thursday, and you can sign up at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. Now, let's get to more big things. So let's get to the second biggest th- No, I'm just kidding. But let's get to, uh, let's switch it up a little bit. Let's talk about more you, you know, on the personal side, how you stay inspired, how you stay creative, like your your style of, of working and approaching that. So this is the segment on inspiration and creativity. I first want to start off with, you know, people talk about work-life balance. In your case, you have school, school. work-life <laughs> balance. I don't know the order of those three. You don't have to reveal <laughs> the priorities there. But how, how do you how do you divide your time? You know, at the time of this recording, between school, your business, everything else you want to do, and like everything else you do in your day-to-day life. So I wish I could give you a concrete answer, but the real answer is it's always adapting every single day. Because the thing about being an entrepreneur, it's not a nine to five, you're doing the same repetitive task, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but it's very fluid and it's very flexible. So you're constantly every day learning, changing and adapting to new things. So I would say in terms of school life balance, school comes first, no matter what. Uh, I'll get home, school. My late nights are mostly school consistent, right? Next year, I plan on taking six APs in school. In my junior year, I plan on taking six APs. That's going to require a lot of heavy time on my part. No, I'm sending you the best. That's going to be awesome for yeah. like how much you're going to learn and awesome for the resume. And I think you're going to enjoy it a ton. I just like, if you need help with homework, I got you because that, that'll be a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely need it. Um, but yeah, so I would say school comes first no matter what. And my parents preach this as well, Right. Even though I have a business, even though I'm successful, that should not take away from my studies simply because one, I enjoy learning and two, I want to become an educated person because there's no point of being here if you're not going to be educated, right? It's important, you know, don't be the smartest in the room, but try to be the smartest in the room, right? (laughs) (laughs) Don't think you're the smartest, but try to be the smartest, right? So school comes first, work comes second. When life gets really busy, the thing that you can't rely on, like I know you said inspiration, right? I really don't believe in motivation or inspiration for things. I believe in discipline. I think that if you can keep your head down and work as many hours as you can without excuses, without saying, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I I just want to go to sleep, right? I, I don't feel like doing this right now. Those excuses aren't going to make you successful. No matter what you do, you might even, whoever's listening right now, you might be running through a set of excuses. Oh, I haven't started because of this, because of that. That's just your brain trying to trick you so that you don't have to do the things that are difficult in your life. More than anything, more than motivation, more than, you know, listening to a pump up song right before you get to work, right? More than any of that is having the ability to do things that suck 
and to do things that you don't want to do consistently, right? Because if you ask a bodybuilder, right, does it hurt to do the exercises? Heck yeah, it hurts to do the exercises, but they love that, right? That's their favorite part is that the exercises hurt because they know that that discipline in their brain is what's going to help them grow and be, have the greatest physique they possibly can. I kind of got off track a little bit on a little bit of a tangent, but I'd say that discipline is the most important thing that I put in my daily regimen and my daily schedule so that I know that, you know, hey, I've got three hours of schoolwork today and I got two hours of work today. I'm not going to be able to enjoy the rest of the day. I don't have time to relax. I might be up until 12 in the morning, one in the morning. That might be my life. I might have to give up this social gathering that I could go to with my friends. That might, I might have to sacrifice that. Why? Because I'm trying to build the best version of myself that I can and trying to improve myself as much as I can. So I prioritize that over things in life, right? That doesn't mean I'm not like going to go eat ice cream with my family or going to go watch a movie or anything like that. But I prioritize doing the work and not making as many excuses than not doing it and then having like some sort of, yeah, balance or something like that. Yeah. Hey, I'm all for tangents, and I think you're going to learn a lot about tangents in your AP. I don't know if that's trig or calc or <laughs> yeah, no, that's geo, pre-cal geo right or now. what. <laughs> my pre-cal year has just been tangent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So speaking of tangents, no, a, a really important point I was wondering about the business was, of course, it has a seasonal nature to it. How does that approach, like, how many hours you spend on the business, like how you operate, or just like your your overall mindset, knowing that you know that time of year is so important for you? The thing is, a lot of companies you'll see will test products, right? They're pro- like testing processes of testing ads. We have one time to shine. We have one Super Bowl and we have to wait another 12 months for that to come around again. So even though it might seem like you're not doing anything until October, it's a lot more work than you might think because we have to gear, we have to completely make sure our business is completely sa- sound. So when we go into that game time, we're not messing anything up. There's no, there's nothing that's broken. The machine is going to flow perfectly. It goes to different stages. January, February is when, believe it or not, retailers are preparing for Christmas. Is in January and February of the pre, of the you know year. Then you do Christmas in July, which is a big like QVC event, uh, which we have to ramp up for. So we have to buy some inventory for that and do some fulfillment in May and the June so that, to get it ready for July. Summer comes around and summer, we don't have school. It's wonderful, perfect time to plan. So we'll just lock ourselves in a room for a week and we'll just sit there, plan every single thing we can for our business, uh, get things ready, make sure all the logistics are in place, make sure our PR person knows what they're doing and is starting to reach out to people. Uh, you know, Make sure that we're starting by August, by September, we're starting to test some ad sets out right on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. When Late September hits, October hits, pedal to the metal. Every single thing is going. Q4 is when I might have to sacrifice a little bit of my grades, right? Because I'm really, really just trying to churn like the biggest beast we possibly can and to try and make the biggest year that we possibly can because it's game time, right? I'm, I'm going to leave nothing on the plate. Th- that's a lot of what happens. So in Q4, it gets intense and that's the most stressful time of the year, right? Everyone's enjoying Christmas, enjoying Christmas Eve, right? The advent calendar, we are stressed. We are staying up late. We are, you know, grinding, making sure that we can get as many orders out as we possibly can because believe it or not, with such a big business, we're lucky because we have a pretty small product. It's all in our garage. Last year was all in our garage. We had one container in our driveway. We would keep inventory and the rest was just 
out of our garage fulfillment. We hired a bunch of people and we hired some people, but a lot of it was just us doing fulfillment as well, right? So that's sort of what the year looks like, even though it might seem like, hey, you're a Christmas company, you're only doing Christmas. We're actually working almost year round. You mentioned planning season, and I hope you've been planning for some terrible questions. Uh, let's get to the unusual. <laughs> so, no problem. With pet peeves, quirks, weird talents. This is more. This is just about you. It doesn't need to tie back to the business. Of course, you can Wonderful. if you want, but it can be pretty tough. What would you say, just in general, is your biggest pet peeve? Okay, I've got a funny one, and then I've got a serious one. The funny one is people who sing very loudly, but they can't sing. They think they can sing well, but they actually can't. That's very, it gets very annoying, right? They'll be singing their heart out, but everyone else will just be covering their ears because it's just not good singing. <laughs> That's a big pet peeve of mine. And then the main pet peeve is people who don't keep their word. If you're going to say something to me and promise me that you're going to do something, I expect you and I have my faith in you that I'm, you're going to do it. And so it's a big pet peeve of mine when somebody like, doesn't deliver on something like if I have a friend that just doesn't deliver on a thing that that's happening, like I'll be pretty upset and they might come up with an excuse here or there, but still I'll, I'll be pretty upset. So that's, that's probably a big pet peeve of mine. Uh, those are two great, two different ballparks there. I, yeah, right. Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately for you today, I will not be doing any loud singing, but I, I think <laughs> uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, when somebody, somebody, somebody has that trait, you got to respect the confidence, but it can just be painful on the ears if the, <laughs> right, voice, yeah. if the voice is not a, a beautiful voice. <laughs> yeah. How about weird talents or some say party tricks? Uh, weird talents. What's like uh, something that you could do that has no, no impact on your business, but just like around the house or a magic trick or something like that? First off, I just want to start off with saying I don't have much time for to develop weird talents. Why? What do you have going on? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'd say I'm very, very good at being able to catch food in my mouth. It's pretty incredible. Anytime we're at, you know, hibachi, it's always first try. My brother can throw something across the room. I'll catch it in my mouth instantly. Done. Easy. <laughs> I'm better than my own dogs at catching food in my mouth, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good. Perfect. You, you, you can do that. Uh, you know, when you're out at trade shows, you need to draw people over to your exactly. uh, your, your table. Just do it from like 40 yards yeah. away. I, I'm pretty sure catching food in your mouth is probably more impressive than kid entrepreneur. What do you think? <laughs> I think so, too. Well, well this is well, – maybe we'll title this episode – the kid Mikhail, that can catch food in the his food mouth. catcher no <laughs> the kid yeah it sounds like a, a children's book how it about does. quirks what's something a little quirky about your personality it's a little bit unique but it's it's who you are you gotta love it i'm such and this is gonna make me sound like such a nerd such a loser it's going to it really will i'm, I'm basically exposing myself i will talk about like politics and like like it, I always am in intellectual conversation 24 seven. You can't ever catch me just with chit chat. That doesn't work. I'm always, no matter what I'm, I'm asking like random philosophical questions in the middle of dinner and everyone's like, can I just eat my food in peace without having to think, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think and eat food at the same time. So I think that's the main thing that people will call me out on. They'll be like, why are you even asking this question right now? Like I'll be hanging out with friends just in the mall and I'll like just make a random philosophical question bring up something about politics and be like, why are you doing that? <laughs> if they get too burnt out of you doing that, they just need to start throwing food at you and see how much you exactly. can catch of that. I think yeah, that's yeah, the answer. That's... <laughs> but, but no, the, the intellectual curiosity is definitely there. I appreciate that. All right, let's wrap up with some rapid fire Q&A. You ready for it? All right, let's go. All right, let's get wild. 
if you could only have one single flavor of ice cream for the rest of your life, uh, and then you had to eat it every day for lunch, don't ask, uh, what would that ice cream flavor be? Peppermint ice cream. Easy. Done. It's a strange ice cream flavor. Not a lot of people have heard of it, but there's a place that's pretty close to me that serves it, and it's incredible. It's on brand with Ornament Anchor, so I'll give that to you. <laughs> it is in fact, it is, I never even thought about that. Maybe that's why. Your, your brand Maybe. is seeping through all, all mm-hmm. around. You mentioned earlier, kind of as a joke, but you mentioned pump-up song. What 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 is your favorite pump-up song? Oh, oh, God. What's the best family-friendly pump-up song that I've listened to? <laughs> we we are rated explicit so it doesn't have to be oh, wonderful, I don't wonderful. know how your parents feel about it but <laughs> probably Rip Roach by X probably it's a good song Guess it gets me going by X or DMX X X X Tentacion yeah oh 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 got it, yeah, got it, yeah. Got it. very very cool awesome. yeah. yeah yeah I like some of his stuff how about the first business that started his family Kudo Bands am I saying that correctly Kudo Bands yeah well it's the second business Second business. But that one's the second one. So that one's the second. Well, okay, first one on Shark Tank, but second business. First business was Paperama, which was my mom's business. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned from starting, you know, those multiple businesses before getting to Ornament Anchor? What's the biggest thing that's helped you? I think the biggest thing I've learned is you have to be able to put yourself out there and you have to be confident. You can't sell something if you're not confident. And you can't, especially, it's hard to succeed in life if you're a shy person. You have to be able to, and that ties back to the networking thing I was talking about earlier. I think it taught me a lot about confidence and a lot about being able to put yourself out there and be confident while you're doing it. Your brother. So yeah, you mentioned, of course, you have, you didn't decide to be brothers, but you decided to be best friends. Like yes. you, you have a great, you have a great relationship together. Now you work together. Obviously you live together, you know, do so many things together. I know it's probably mostly on the good side, but every sibling fights at some point. What, what's the one thing that you find yourself fighting or arguing about? we argue about literally everything under the sun. Like some of the dumbest. What's things. the one thing that you don't argue about? Let me rephrase. That. <laughs> what's the one thing we don't argue about? <laughs> no, I'm just about? kidding. No, no. What, what, what's something that you always um, and end up bickering with each other about? I don't really know. It's just random dumb stuff. Like it's just really dumb. There will be like a very dumb little thing that literally affects nobody, but we'll argue about it and it'll become this large, like intense argument for no reason. Stuff that doesn't make sense to argue about, that's what we'll argue about. <laughs> Somehow that makes sense. Appreciate it. <laughs> and last one, what is a movie you've seen that just like totally blew your mind? Creed, the Creed series. It's incredible. Probably, I mean, it teaches discipline, motivation, or not motivation, discipline, right? Honestly, that, that movie, every time I watch any Creed movie, I am pumped up. I am ready to conquer the world. It's crazy. I was just about to say, there's a, I, I've listened on Spotify to, uh, I don't remember if it was the first or second movie or what, but the soundtrack to the, yeah. one of those mm-hmm. Creed movies, and they it's got some really good, good pump-up soundtrack. songs on it. It's a great yeah. soundtrack. Awesome. Well, Mikhail, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Just a big fan of your, your entrepreneurial family. Thanks so much for coming on. And Where's the best place for people to to get their hands on Ornament Anchor if, they, if they're interested, as well as just learn more about or connect with you online? Uh, we're on Amazon, so that's probably really easy. We're number one thing. If you just search up Ornament Anchor, we're going to be the number one thing that pops up on Amazon. And if you want to get to know more about us, our story, TikTok is probably the best place to do it. Uh, I'm at Ornament Anchor. That's literally it. And that's probably the best place to learn about our journey, who we are, and what we do. Last thing, final thoughts, stage is yours. It could be a, a quote, just like one line word of advice to, to send us home here. You know, stage is yours. 
Do the things that suck. Try to eliminate all the excuses that you might have in your life, things that are holding you back. Forget having a balance. If you want to be the best at what you do, you can't have a balance. You can't meditate and read and you know go for a quick little jog if you're trying to be the best in your workspace, the best thing that you do. So I think you have to be able to wake up, do the things that suck, do them consistently, and, and don't make any more excuses. Well, excuse me, <laughs> Mikhail, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your amazing story and your amazing family. And thank you, Wild Listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you want to hear more wild stories like this one, make sure to follow the Wild Business Growth Podcast on your favorite app and tell a friend about the podcast. You can also find us on Good Pods, where there are good, good podcasts and podcast recommendations and podcast people. I could keep going that sentence forever. And for any help with podcast production, you can learn more at maxpodcasting.com and sign up for the Podcasting to the Max newsletter. That's at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! Bongos!